0: Greetings Hope Church, good to be with you this morning. We are starting a new series uh, in the Pastoral Letters. I'll explain those in our introduction this morning. But it's a new series in three biblical books that are often summarizingly called the Pastoral Letters. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and Titus. And we 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 generally work through biblical books here at Hope Church. That's just the way we approach it. We just believe that what God had to say, and the order he even said it in the books, is significant for us to hear. There are times that we want to stop and look at an issue in the world that we want to have the Bible speak to us about, or look at issues in the church that we want the Bible to speak to us about, and hear from God's word about those topics that are relevant to our lives in our ministry, but in general, when we're able, we want to be having God say, this is what I want you to hear. This is what I want you to know. These are the topics I want you to learn about. And I'm going to be the one to teach it to you. And that's, that's what we believe expository preaching does. It takes God's word and it just asks the Lord to teach us from his word. So we generally do expository preaching here, even though we'll stop for topical messages like we did with the Hope 2025 series that we just ended at the end of this last calendar year. But we're going to be in the pastoral letters, and I think we'll find them fruitful and helpful. And I'm going to be explaining, as I do, the first sermon of any new series about these letters and giving a little bit of context. This morning, I'm actually going to introduce all three letters simultaneously. They're not very long, so we're just going to, I'm going to kind of give an orientation to the pastoral letters. And we'll look at the first couple verses. Let me read our text for this morning. It is in First Timothy 1, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read that, uh, those two verses, and then I'll pray and start us this morning. First Timothy 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask that if we start a new series that you would explain to us and teach us what you want us to know, that we would be faithful with your word, that we would sit under your word and learn and listen to the topics that you want to address about church and about life and about the world. Help us to hear, Father. We ask not just that our minds would understand, but that our but that our hearts would soften to your message, and we'd be formed by what you want to say to us. So we thank you for your whole biblical word, all sixty six books. But we thank you for these three, Father. Maybe even the three that are underappreciated or underutilized. That we here at Hope Evangelical Free Church would grow in our understanding of these books, which are significant in your providence as part of your word. So minister to us, Father. I thank you for our brothers and sisters watching online who are unable to gather with us. We pray that you keep them safe and that you bring them back to us soon, Father, that all of us can come and gather together as your people soon. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me give you a brief introduction to the books called the Pastoral Letters. It's helpful to understand the books we're going to be studying and it's wise for us as good readers of scripture to understand the books, their nature, and then of course their context. By nature I mean what kind of a book are they? Like just a kind of a a interpreting your Bible 101. These are the kind of things that we'll talk about in growth hour coming up in due course here at Hope Church. What does it mean to study a narrative, like a story like Ruth that we covered just a few months ago from letters like this, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy or Titus? A story requires you to understand the characters of the story, the plot of the story, the movement, just as you would a good movie or a good book. And and, and Ruth wants us to engage in those kind of ways as we read the Word, or whether it be uh, the Gospel of John or the book of Genesis. Again, those are story biblical books. that that develop characters and show plot and movement. Letters are a little different, whether it's Romans or the pastoral letters or even the book of James. Letters have more of an argument. They're easier to relate to at a level of context because it's a particular author that is known writing to an audience that is known. So we can like relate more to books like the pastoral letters because they're written by an apostle to church leaders who are ministering in church context. And we are a church living and ministering in a church context. So lots of times, what's an advantage with the letters in the New Testament specifically is that the context in the original early church that Paul was writing to parallels the things in our own life and ministry. And I think you will see that in these books. There is so many things that we can glean that just kind of roll off the page because we're wrestling with what it means to be a faithful church. We're wrestling with what it means to live out the gospel every day in this world as God's people. And so were these early Christians in the churches of Pastor Timothy or Pastor Titus. Let me talk to you a little bit about the, the main characters that, that are at either writing the book or receiving them. What do we know? What should we know about the Apostle Paul and about Timothy and about Titus? Again, I'm overviewing the entire uh, series, the pastoral letters. Let me start with Paul. Several of you may know his background. His own testimony is remarkable. He was a violent attacker of Christianity. He hated Jesus Christ and the gospel. In fact, he was literally would have been like a zealot, a terrorist of sorts, pursuing the death of Christians in the early generations of the church. I can only imagine how how it was difficult for the early church to trust that this person, who, who is called now the Apostle Paul, was at some point worthy to walk into their churches and preach and teach. He was known for killing the early Christians because he thought he was defending his position of the Jewish faith. And he thought this was heresy to the max and deserving of death anyone who would preach these things, a distortion of what is true and right until Christ Jesus himself in a vision and the road to Damascus, this, these stories, by the way, are literally just what the book of Acts talk about. If you're interested in, in hearing more, not only about the apostle Paul, who was who discussed in many chapters of the book of Acts, but even glimpses of Titus and Timothy who show up in those books as well, read through the book of Acts. It's just in your own reading, read through Acts. Uh, but on the road to Damascus, Jesus Christ himself made an appearance before the apostle Paul and called him to his ministry. It was Christ who gave him the office of apostle. Paul is a theologian. He's a good biblical thinker. He wrestles with these biblical truths, but he's also a missionary. He's really good at applying the word of God to the world of God, and you're going to see that even in these books. But but more than just him in his, with his mind and his ability to have knowledge of God's word and wisdom to apply to God's world, let me describe him in some other ways. He was a discipler. He discipled people. He built relationships with people. Even these pastoral letters, he's writing like to his former disciplees, his former students in the word of God. He had invested in Timothy and Titus. Paul was a good teacher. He explained well what was most important, and God gifted him for this, for our benefit, as you're going to see even as we work through these letters. He was a church planter. Uh, He very much felt that his particular calling was not just to be located in one place and be a pastor, as, for example, I am, but that his mission was to help develop churches and to spread the gospel in numerous places. So he was a resource to pastors. He was a resource to local churches. To be honest with you, that's what these books are. Here is this theologian, this missionary, this discipler, this church planter, resourcing churches for their work in the gospel. How how significant is that for us? That God would put this in his word so that we can be resourced. When I said he was a discipler, I might almost want to say he, he he was a mentor. In fact, in many ways, he was a father figure. Don't view this Apostle Paul as simply a big mind, a good theologian. Picture him, he loved people. He invested deeply in key early workers in the Christian movement, very much that developing the second generation. He was, he was, not only was Paul a discipler, a church planter, a mentor, he was a pastoral overseer. He very much kept tabs on churches. He encouraged pastors. Again, these books are the fruit of some of that labor. The last thing that would be worthy for us to note, even though the New Testament doesn't speak about this specifically, is that he was a martyr, meaning the very man that started his career killing Christians was himself killed For his faith in Christ. We learn this from the church historian Eusebius, who who recounts the ways that many of the early Christians died. Uh, He was committed to the gospel. Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament, so a good chunk of the books. Many of us, if we have been in the church at all and been in studies and and wrestled in small groups with God's word, you will have come across some of his writings. These are probably the lesser known, but very worthy for us to focus on. Let me talk about the the two pastors uh, for whom these books are named. Timothy was a right-hand minister uh, and partner of Paul. He was converted by Paul. Notice what verse 2 says that I read a few minutes ago. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. It was Paul that led Timothy to faith, maybe speaking at local churches or some gathering that Timothy was involved in, and he hears the gospel. Timothy had a believing mother and grandmother. Maybe they brought him as a younger child or maybe a teenager, and he hears the gospel presented, and God works in his life. Not only was he converted by Paul, but Timothy was chosen by him for ministry. He was a converted Jew, Timothy, who was led to faith not only by Paul, the conversion, but he was, he was developed in the faith by his Christian mother and grandmother. I, I remember just being uh, a, a, uh, working at a Christian camp several years ago, and somebody asked me about my own story in faith in Christ, and this is when I was in college, and I remember resonating with the story of Timothy, because I was raised and and, and led in the faith by my mother and my grandmother, my Lois and Eunice. Those were their names uh, for Timothy. Uh, And I felt like I had this kind of kinship with someone like Timothy, who was raised and cared for in the faith by his mom and his grandma. Timothy was a young partner with Paul, serving with him in missionary journeys and church disputes. He was especially useful because while his mother was Jewish, his father was Greek. So he was culturally bilingual where there were divisions between those ethnicities and nationalities in the first century. Paul knew that and used Timothy in many situations to help bring together divided churches and divided Christians by having Timothy, who had a foot on both sides of those cultural positions, to be part of conversations developing unity. Let me tell you about Titus. Titus was a longtime ministry partner of Paul with nearly 20 years of ministry experience. He was involved in key meetings between churches and the early church leaders. In fact, some of those significant meetings that the book of Acts tells us about that took place in Jerusalem, Titus was involved in those. He was Greek, who was often imposed upon by certain factions of early Christianity to adopt a Jewish version of the gospel, a distortion of the gospel, to kind of adopt, to to Judaize what Christianity looked like. Now you see Paul dressing these kind of things specifically in books like Galatians. So Titus knew the difficulty of not only trying to be a unified church and minister that way, but also to make sure the gospel was pure, that our teaching focused rightly on the gospel. And I think these are the kind of things that we're going to glean from our reading in the book uh, in the next several months. So let me end this first section, uh, this overview of the pastoral letters by by answering this question. What topics will the pastoral pastoral letters cover? Like, is this just a book for pastors? Like, is why would God even include this? in his canon for all of us. Well, well, one thing I'd want to say is the very fact that he did include it in his word meaning means it's for everybody. Even if there are aspects of this book that seemingly fit one topic more than another or one section more than another, because God put this book in his word, it is for the church to be studied and to learn from. But, but let me mention some things. The leadership in a local church is discussed heavily in these books, but even and also the nature of their work. In fact, these books contain some of the most debated passage regarding the role of women in ministry. In fact, I will spend three Sundays going through just a few verses, two or three or four verses, I'll spend three Sundays on because it is such a loaded and heated topic in these particular books. So as we're trying to wrestle with the nature of elders and can women be pastors, these books address those things and are hot topics that we need to listen to and spend time on in this particular series. But even beyond that, there are questions about the nature of caring for one another, of mentoring, discipling comes up. Just the core leading activities of a church are mentioned in several places. Another, another topic that gets covered in these letters is just kind of a collection of topics related to the aspects of church life, church practices, church organization, and its ministries. And in this post-COVID, or what will eventually be post-COVID season, as Christians are trying to re-engage healthily with the local church, I think that the pastoral letters will be helpful for us to see the way that these books describe the nature and functions of a healthy local church. The pastoral letters cover important truths about God, numerous aspects of His character, and his divinity is mentioned, about his word, some of the most important texts regarding a doctrine of scripture in the pastoral letters, and even about the Christian life. Numerous fruits will will be feeding us in these books about the nature of the Christian life. Lastly, the, the last topic that I would mention would be this, that the role of every Christian in the life and ministry of the church will be discussed, meaning you will see the significance that you and I have to be faithfully engaged, arguably members of local churches. And we'll see this in the pastoral letters. And again, helpful for us as we transition through this COVID season uh, into whatever normality looks like for Christian local churches today. Well, let's look at these two verses in the rest of our time. I summarize it by saying this, the letter's greeting, which is what those two verses are, teaches us several things about the author, the audience, and the book. Paul opens his letter in a traditional way. If you were to look at the way letters began, most letters in the ancient world and the letters in the books of the New Testament look this way. Uh, in In the same way that if you received a letter recently, maybe this past Christmas, you received cards or a letter from somebody, you might see it with an address to whom it may concern, or dear so-and-so, and you're immediately knowing from the genre, the form of the text, that it is a letter. Well, Paul starts 1 Timothy, the letter to 1 Timothy, with a very formal greeting, that starts with the author and ends with the addressee, written to Timothy. Though Timothy being representative of not only his church, but then in God's providence, all of us as readers of Scripture. And I want to just reflect on a few things that we learn, even from these opening two verses. The first would be this. At the very beginning of verse 1, we note this, that Paul writes with apostolic Authority. That's an important Bible word. What's it mean to be an apostle? Not everyone is an apostle. In fact, arguably, the apostolic office is reserved for those in New Testament times. What was required to be an apostle? Let me give you a list of things. One is that you had to see personally the resurrected Jesus. In that sense, then only these the original disciples of Jesus, and then the other certain numbers around them at least would have qualified, but certainly the original disciples of Jesus, and including therefore now Paul, to whom the resurrected Jesus showed himself on the road to Damascus. So that is a qualification. So, so if you were to all of a sudden hear me walk around Hope Evangelical Free Church and say, hey, I appreciate the pastor talk, but now I would like to be called Apostle Mickey, you can immediately slap my wrist and say, did you see the resurrected Jesus? Because that sure seems to be the qualification referred to in God's word. Here's a second requirement, that they had to be chosen and sent by God to play a unique role in the gospel's spread. So specifically with the disciples, but then even with Paul, that Christ not only made himself known to them, but specifically sent them out in this early church mission to play a unique role. Not a normal role. I'm a pastor. That's a normal role. We're talking a unique role in kingdom of God work for the sake of the gospel. Certainly Paul qualified as that in many ways. Last thing, the last requirement seemed to be this, that they were able to perform the marks of a true apostle, meaning signs, wonders, and miracles. That's another way for saying that clearly the finger of God was so upon these particular men. And it was manifestly clear that God had touched their lives for a role of ministry. Apostolic authorship is behind all the books of the New Testament. And if we had time, and maybe in our growth hour upcoming in in, in future years or months, we can have a class on how do we get our Bible. Like, how do we get the books in the Old Testament and the books in the New Testament? And in that time, I can, or others can talk about the nature of the important role the apostles played in that but even at a level of practicality for you and me sitting here in 2021 reading this text the very fact that first timothy one starts with paul's office as an apostle means that this is a certified book those are the men through whom god wrote his word it comes with apostolic authority that we receive as the very word of god and we should take note Notice how verse 1 ends. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, then he says this, by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. That, That statement, by command of God, is just worthy of noting. Whatever authority Paul had as an apostle, his ministry was commanded by God. He was a servant of King Jesus who commanded him in obedience to declare and minister the gospel. In fact, if if you were to read Paul's letters and kind of scan through all of the introductions, he does use the apostolic title from time to time, but his favorite title for himself was not apostle, it was slave or servant of Christ. That's interesting. He, he could have played the apostle card all day long, but what he often more than not chose to describe was that he was a servant of Christ. So even here, when he declares his, his, his office of apostle, which he fits, he immediately adds, by command of God. The work of Paul, and therefore Timothy, as, we look, as we're in 1 Timothy now, Has a sacred purpose and a divine intention, and we would do well to take it seriously. One way we're taking it serious is by reading it, by preaching it, by discussing it in our small groups or in our conversations with our children or with our families. We want to hear what God wants us to hear in this book is part of the command God gave to the Apostle Paul to write to Timothy, ultimately, therefore, to speak to us. And we do well to listen to it carefully. Paul's apostolic work, including this letter, is at the command of God. And while our church is not part of that apostolic work, It does involve making Jesus known. It does involve the work of the gospel. If nothing else, this this kind of opening of verse one should remind us of how seriously we should take the ministry of the gospel. And sometimes we're a bit too timid with that. To be honest, we can be a bit too timid with our faith. We let the culture tell us or make us fearful and we kind of hold our faith in our pocket. And I wonder if that reminder of the command of God, not just to Paul and to Timothy, but in general to God's people to declare the gospel, and to make it known, should, should should have us live in a certain way where the gospel is on our fingertips, in the the tip of our tongue, and in the front of our minds regularly, but not in the way that it's often been done. The past couple generations, one of the weaknesses of the Christian church is we've tried to do kind of a Constantinian power move with the gospel. We think the gospel is going to work itself out in politics. We battle over it in schools and in classrooms. And you and I can debate exactly when and how such work of of ministry and Christianizing should happen in those realms. I'm not even here to debate that. I'm just simply saying, what we've done though is we've reserved being forthright and intentional with the gospel for those debated areas in the public square. And we haven't just in our normal relationships and all our connections and natural affiliations just been less timid and more upfront with the fact that we love Jesus Christ, but we we care for him. And the things that we do, the things that we say, the way that we serve is literally driven because God has commanded us to be faithful, to be be light of the world, to be salt of the earth. We can't help but be faithful to the command that we feel as well as children of God. As we look at verse two, just a couple things to notice. One would be this. The ministry relationship between Paul and Timothy is both spiritual and personal. Again, look at that language I read earlier. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. Paul led Timothy to faith. He included him in several aspects of ministry and speaks of him As true or genuine, he's 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 legitimate, he's a genuine believer, but he also loves him like a father loves a son, brothers and sisters. That one phrase should remind us how much we, our church, our church family needs these kinds of relationships to blossom in our church body. We just need older men loving the younger men. We need older women loving the younger women. We need older couples loving the younger couples. We need all the adults loving on our children of youth group age and below. We need to be a a shepherding church, as we've talked about in our Hope Church 2025 vision. And it springs from texts like this, where Paul invested in Timothy. There should be scores of relationships in this church body where people are loving and engaging with one another. I encourage you, and you'll see glimpses of this, but I encourage you, and I ask that the Spirit of God would soften our hearts to respond in ways like this in our church body. Last thing to note, end of verse two, he ends with a formal greeting, a conclusion, a a benediction of sorts, a blessing even. The, The greeting's threefold blessing Carries the force of an apostolic benediction, he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord when, when Paul says this, this is what he wants. this is what God wants you to experience. Look at those three words: grace that you would know god 's ongoing forgiveness and enabling that he would not just that you would know his forgiveness that you would be Literally, experience the peace that the gospel brings, but also the power and to not be timid and to be loving neighbor as yourself, to be loving one another, to be intentional in relationships. Mercy is that we would know God's sympathy and experience that concern and love for others, that we would be empathetic with others, we would be broken for our world. What we need more in this day and age. What 2021 needs more of is empathy and ability to suffer with people, not just to judge them. And last, peace, grace, mercy, and peace, that you and I would experience God's tranquility and stability. What an image that you and I would be conduits of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace. That our homes would be would be known for being places where grace, mercy, and peace reside. Our relationships are filled with with the, the sharing of grace and peace and mercy in this place. The Apostle Paul wants this for Timothy. He wants this for Timothy's church and in the providence of God. This is what God wants for us as well. I'm, I'm excited to work through this book uh, together as a church family. We'll start with First Timothy just as we did today. We'll work through it, then Second Timothy, and then Titus. I encourage you as, as I do if you if in a small group and you look at the, the additional reading, other passages to read during the week. I actually encourage you this week to read through all of First Timothy. It's six chapters, and then we'll be working through it passage by passage, week after week, uh, into this new year that we're just beginning. But we're excited. Uh, to be in this. I, I, we miss you. For those of you that haven't been able to, to be with us for a while, we miss you. We hope you're able to come back to us soon as you feel safe and as things clear up a bit in this COVID. Um, and we are just, we're just longing for the body of Christ to experience the blessings that this book uh, calls us toward. Let me pray as we close our time. Father, thank you for the these two verses for the message that they give. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Father, I pray as we start this new series that we're simply calling Entrusted to You, taken right out of this book, as we start this series, that you've entrusted us with the gospel, that we would be faithful ministers of the gospel as your local church. Help us to grow in our understanding. Help our minds to grasp. Help our hearts to be formed. Help our affections to... Aim directly in the right ways. Minister to us, Father. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening to this or watching this online that you would care for them. Father, I pray for their their physical needs, their emotional and spiritual needs. Father, I encourage them to connect with us if we can help them in certain ways. Give them confidence that we love them and care for them, that they can reach out to us. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. We pray this In Jesus, our hope's name, amen.